You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live. Today is our last episode that we're going to do where we're going to look at past Academy Award winners. This one, we're going to look at... Uh, we, we started in 2010 with The King's Speech, and we're going to end in 2011 after a long, circuitous journey with The Artist. Uh, there is a spoiler warning right at the end. Uh, just because we sort of give away a little bit of the ending, but like realistically, we're not actually spoiling anything. So you should be safe to watch this if you uh, and and not get spoiled. But if it is a concern for you, I do gush about this film very early and uh, in a little bit of detail. So if you want to see the artist and you haven't yet, go watch it real quick. It's pretty short. We'll wait and then uh, come on back. So. Uh, you're about to hear us talk about the artist. But before that, you are going to hear the song. I believe the song is Peppy and George. Here it is. To another episode of Classic Movies Live, the only podcast you will ever hear where there's 70 years between some of our episodes. Uh, last time we talked about a movie that came out in 1941, but today we're going to talk about the 84th Academy Awards, which are 70 years later. This is 2011. This is a uh, this is actually kind of cool, Pierre, because uh, 2010 was the first one that we did of this. Because we started with the King's Speech, which was 2010. Now we're on to uh, 2011, which is 2011. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so the 2011 awards. This was, I might have, I, I think, so this is like, I don't remember which was the first Oscars that I really, really paid attention to. It was one of the ones we talked about and I already said it, but like 
2011, this is where I was like, I, I was already kind of starting to pay attention to them, but I had not seen most of these movies. And unfortunately, I still have to say that I haven't seen a lot of the movies that were nominated this year. But uh, I remember watching these Oscars live and uh, enjoying the pageantry a lot. Um, this was this was my last, I think I was in my last year of high school when this when this Academy Awards, when this Academy Awards was going on. Yeah, February 26, 2012. So I was I was just finishing up high school. Um, have you uh, did you did you watch the Oscars that year, Pierre? Um, I mean, I might have watched. I don't really remember. Yeah, uh, it was... understanding much of it because I was what I, I guess I was like 13 at the time. Mm. So um, that was back when I really cared about movies. So <laughs> or before I cared about movies. So uh, it's. Uh, yeah, I, I just remember the artist winning because it was the the black and white movie. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, I remember I was really, really interested in the artist when this, when it won. I'm like, what the heck? I didn't actually know many of these other movies, but I remember thinking it was a really, really interesting looking movie, and I have to see it. And then mm-hmm. uh, I don't know when I did see it. I don't know if I saw it like very, very shortly after, or if I didn't see it until later that year, but I did end up seeing it. And uh, I got to say, I guess this is like a spoiler for my opinion later. It is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite Oscar winning movies of the last, I guess, 10 years, because it was 10 years ago. Oh, nice. Uh, But anyway, it was up against, this was a good year, I think. Like, I haven't actually, I I can't say that seen most of these movies, but I like, yeah know of most of these movies and i know that they are all like very very highly regarded uh we had the descendants uh extremely loud and incredibly close the help hugo which i know you have thoughts on uh midnight in paris which i remember really really liking moneyball which is like i don't think that was that wasn't jonah hill's breakout role but it was the one where people were like, oh, Jonah Hill should be nominated for Oscars. And he was nominated for an Oscar for this one. Uh, and then we have The Tree of Life and War Horse. And of course, the winner, as we already said, was The Artist this year. Yeah, it, it was uh, surprisingly like not looking back at it. I, I recognize uh, I, like I, I don't think there was any like really huge movies, but there were definitely like The Descendants. I remember being quite the um interesting pick uh moneyball was kind of cool because yeah like you said jonah hill's first oscar um this was also or er, er, oscar nomination and this was also aaron sorkin coming off of the the social network mm-hmm. um buzz and then uh crap what was what was that other one you there's another big one there in there um, oh hugo there is- hugo martin scorsese yeah and i remember like hugo was interesting for a lot of different reasons like i know that um it was like kind of animated not really but like sort of uh i haven't seen it you can probably speak to that a little better um and i i remember people like really really liking sasha baron cohen in it he didn't he didn't get nominated for anything for this but like i remember this being like one of his big 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 roles yeah, well, this was, uh, I think a lot of people just knew him from Borat at the time, Borat and Bruno. Um, mm-hmm. But this was like one of his, you know, Martin, it's a Martin Scorsese movie, lots of Oscar hype. And he he put in like, 
I don't know if it was an amazing performance, but I remember it being one of the highlights for sure um, in the movie. So like that's I mean, that's saying a lot for a Martin Scorsese movie, too. Yeah, well, I also wanted to say, like, even if even if he wasn't the best part of the movie, he wasn't Borat. So like this is a completely different yeah. side of him <laughs> for people that only knew him from Borat. And I guess me at the time, I knew him from Borat and Sweeney Todd, which like Sweeney Todd is also quite different in a different way. I, yeah, I don't know much about Sweeney Todd, um, but I could I could see why you say that. Um, but yeah, so it was like a surprise. It's I'd say it was like a very interesting year in general, from what I can tell, and uh, probably some tight competition, honestly, because they all seem pretty similar, similarly uh, praised, I guess, by critics. Mm-hmm. Um. But ultimately, the one that won is the movie that uh, you're going to tell us a little bit about right now, The Artist. Why don't really? you uh, Why don't you go ahead? Uh, yeah, The Artist is a kind of a throwback movie uh, to the silent film age of the, I guess, the late, late 1920s when it kind of ended. Um, we yeah. follow Georges George, George Valentin, <laughs> who is a, uh, a silent film actor, and he's basically... We, we, we enter his story when he's at the peak of his game, uh, right before, I guess, talkies came out um, and that technology came out. And uh, he kind of, I mean, at the start of the movie, he, he kind of gives a chance to a young actress that uh, I guess he meets by coincidence. And, um, and he gives her some advice uh, and then kind of like, I don't know, like, lets her go, I guess. And then uh, we kind of follow his his path uh, through, um, I guess, the world passing him by in terms of talking movies coming out. And he he failed to adapt like a lot of artists or actors at the time. And meanwhile, he watches this girl that, uh, you know, he kind of gave a helping hand to become uh, basically him, but of the talking movie age, one of the biggest stars. So and we kind of deal with his downfall. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's interesting because like it's his it's his downfall p- in parallel with her rise. Because like uh, the the girl that he meets, she starts as a dancer in silent pictures, and then she becomes a talkie star. So as as they're uh, as he's sort of you know becoming a washed up actor because he can't adapt to talkies, she is becoming like. Inter- she's becoming nationally known because she's, you know, she's talkies worked really well for her. Yeah, basically. So it, it's kind of a, I mean, it, it's, I think there's a classic tale in there of just the past, the past uh, or the future overcoming the past. And some people kind of get lost in that whole process. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a timeless tale because that's always going to happen. But uh, yeah, well, what did you, what did you think of? Uh, 2011's Oscar winner, uh, the artist. So uh, I've already said that like this is one of my favorites of the last. This is one of my favorite Oscar winners of the last ten years. And like I'm looking. Normally, when we do these episodes, we try to talk a little bit about everything that it won, which we will do here as well. And like I, I have written down the order we're supposed to talk about it in. But this was nominated for a bunch of other things, too, that I really want to talk about, because even though it didn't win them, like best original screenplay. I love this screenplay so much. I think like 
it's not exactly necessarily that complicated a tale, but it is like, cause like a lot of it is, I feel like the story in and of itself isn't anything we haven't seen before because it's, you know, one guy is on his way down while another girl is on her way up and uh, there's a romance and like, it's a tale about Hollywood. Like all of these are things that I've technically seen before, but just the way it's done is it's, it's done very well. And then also just the writing specifically, like just the writing for a lot of parts of it, like is, is, is just brilliant. Um, Cause uh, George, I'm, I'm so sorry. I uh, cannot pronounce French things very well. So I'm going to call him George, but <laughs> yeah, uh, George, his uh, he's, he's completely unwilling to talk in a movie. So they bring like the very first thing, the very first scene of the entire movie is a is like a scene from a movie that George is in where he's being interrogated and the t- and the cards that like give the dialogue say, uh, no, I won't talk. I'll never talk or something like that. And it's because he's being tortured in the movie. But like, that's how this movie opens. And it tells you the entire conceit of the movie right there. And then beyond that, there's, and they keep bringing up that recurring theme of just, he will not talk. Like his wife leaves him. And the reason she eventually leaves him, the reason she gives is that he won't talk to her. Like he won't talk about his feelings, his problems, what they're going through. So Mm -hmm. I just, and I just really like, I really like that use. I mean, it's not subtle, but I really like how that's used all over the place. And, um, all of the dialogue cards in this, uh, a lot of them are usually there's like two or three different meanings that any dialogue card can mean. Uh, there's a scene where he's talking to uh, where, where he encounters Peppy, the, uh, the girl at a restaurant and she's giving an interview and she's talking about how silent movies are a thing of the past. And he gets very offended. He gets up, looks her in the eyes and says, I have made way for you. And that means like eight different things in that one scene, because I mean, one, he's giving her his seat Two, he's talking about how his career, like how he basically ran so that she can walk, how like his career is ending. But because because his career is ending, that's what gives her the opportunity to for her career to work out. I'm, I'm sort of just rambling at this point, but I just I love everything about this screenplay. Uh, I uh, wish I could agree. <laughs> um, you bring up some really like you bring up some cool points. I, I don't think it's a bad screenplay by any means. I just think there was some, uh, issues in terms of like it, it felt pretty cliche in my opinion. And like, not that I I think it's a very cute story. Um, but in that saying that I it, it was pretty obvious what was gonna happen um from the start if that makes sense and it was uh like and again not, not that that's a bad thing but like in terms of like innovating or like pushing 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 forward and trying something new it didn't really do that no i get that but like what i would say is this is as you introduced it earlier this is a throwback movie and like uh, I just think it's probably the best throwback movie I've ever seen because I'm compare I'm gonna compare it right now to to Mac, which like I didn't like, you didn't like, we didn't like it on this at, on this show, but like when <laughs> yeah. Mank when Mank was trying to use old techniques or like 
throw a call back to Citizen Kane, you know, when it's trying to like make a movie that recalls the past, it kind of stumbles a lot. And like, I just, it just didn't work for me, but this, like you're saying it's not innovative and that a lot of it is cliche. And like, that's true because this is a movie that is not, this movie could not have been made in 1927. However, like this is done by this movie is made by a guy who like loves those old movies and knows exactly what he's using from each of those. And I think that like when he uses those old techniques and the old cliches and all of that stuff, he like he's done his research. He knows he knows how to make it work. And um, I just think that it works really well. You are right. It's not really innovative, but I don't think that that hurts this movie specifically. That's fair. It, it does a very it it is very very good at at, at at uh I guess placing or making the homage uh, work in a lot of ways. And there's it it takes it takes the 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 con because it's not just silent for the sake of being silent. It it is it is trying to say something through a I guess a meta lens. Um, yeah, uh, in a lot of actually, ways. Actually, if I can. So. If I can just cut in there real quick, yeah, that was it. another thing that I uh, loved about the screenplay is the degrees of silence mean something in this movie. Like there's always, uh, so this movie is until the very, very end, there's not a word of spoken dialogue, but throughout the movie, like things are different amounts of silent. Usually it's silent with like an orchestra going, uh, but sometimes it's completely silent. And when it's completely silent, that means something like we're always seeing this through. We're all, this movie is always portrayed either through the eyes of George or like through uh, or as a movie from that time. And like it kind of subtly switches between them because when George is watching a movie and he doesn't have the backup band, it's completely silent because he doesn't have a backup band ready to like play the score um yeah but then later on there's scenes where like you'll hear everything and like there's one scene that i always remember i think it's the one that they showed uh it's one that they showed for his um to introduce him as best actor at the uh, the academy awards as well it's a scene where he can hear all of the ambient sounds around him but he himself cannot make any sound and like so it's just like he can hear a chair moving or he can hear his dog barking or he can hear girls laughing outside. And like, that's all about, and like that scene is very, there's a lot going on in that scene. And like, it's differently silent from other things. And then there's a scene later on where you can hear the score and he's talking to someone, but you can tell that like from his performance that he can't hear what the other person is saying. So now all of a sudden everything is silent for him, but not for us. It's, there's a lot of cool tricks in this movie that I really like. Yeah, the I like I I do I did like all those things. I it it gave the movie some purpose, I guess. I didn't think they were a little on the nose. I like okay, there's a part of me that's kind of like the movie felt kind of pretentious in in scenes like that. A little bit. I didn't hate I I, I like the scenes though by themselves, but it did feel a little bit like that. Yeah, I I get that. This is a movie for this is a movie for movie fans and it knows that. And like, I think I have seen way more, way more pretentious movies than this, but like, you know, the pretentious is not a wrong word here. 
Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, like uh, in, in those flashback scenes too, there was there was some cool camera work where they they used a lot more Dutch angles and uh, I guess zoom ins and stuff. So there there was some like a lot of homage. It, it wasn't just like I think what Mank Mank kind of just it, it was like they were half half assing it if that makes sense. The the homage this was like they they put a lot of thought into like how they wanted to film it um like with lots of steady shots uh and then the when when they needed the the camera work to mix up for like a a more emotional scene or like maybe move when they were moving into the future they would do longer longer takes and stuff like that um but yeah there there was some uh like there there was a lot of thought put into it so like i think that's a big reason why i succeeded it was very much done. It was a it was a passionate movie, even if it wasn't a, a very forward thinking one. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, lots of respect for that. Yeah, actually, I think I think that's a great way to say it. Like this is this movie is it's almost the opposite of forward thinking. I think it's very like it's not it's not regressive, I guess, but at the same time, like it's not trying to innovate because it's trying to be a movie from 1927. So it's trying to do the opposite of innovate really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, except this movie would be, this movie would be freaking sorcery in 1927, but I yeah, if you just had voice acting out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was, I think uh, I really do want to talk about what's his name. Jean Desjardins, I think. Yes. Uh, who is the the star? He plays George Valentin. Um, he he really, I think, helps make this movie work. Um, he's very much like I, I don't know how much experience he has with silent movies, but he really was able to carry the screen like a silent actor would. Um, yeah, if that I makes kept, sense. Well, I kept thinking when I was watching it, I'm like, this is a very physical. But then I kept thinking, like, is it because? It, it technically has to be because he's he's he doesn't have his voice to go with, but it's not physical the way that like the Revenant was physical for Leo in the Revenant. Like Leo is doing weird things with his body all the time and he's crawling around on the, on the ground. Jean, uh, Jean Dujardin is just like he's just giving a really good performance, but he can't talk. It's I, I don't know how to I don't know how to say it. I think I'm going to let you say it because you. I, I interrupted you, and I shouldn't have. Well, I don't even really know how to, because I don't really know how silent acting works. I I know like back then the the um it, it was kind of a little more like stage acting where you wanted the emotions to be much more emotions and movements to be much more exaggerated because it was you know harder for the audience to sense how the actors were feeling right or the characters were mm-hmm. feeling. So that stuff like that was necessary. Um, and I think he did that. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a hard thing, but like his. I would say his on-screen charisma is like insanely good. I don't know what he's like oh, in yeah. other movies. Like, I don't know what he's like in other movies other than like I saw him in Wolf of Wall Street, but he's only in there for like I don't know, like two minutes. Um, yeah, not very long. Yeah, but like this, he was he his like he was magnetic. The way he smiled, the way he walked, the way he like um, just kind of just acted in general. Like it, it was really really good, and even his like. When when he's smiling, like I, it's not even like he had multiple smiles too, because he had his fake smile, he had his legitimate smile, he had his smile where he's kind of kind of angry or he has his sad smiles, um, and they all look the same, which is weird. But like he's able to pull them off, uh, 
each time and in, in, in like a different tone. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I really think he, he helped make this movie work so, so much, even if like the, because like, like I don't think the character really necessarily had too like it wasn't a very complex character right um but it he he added so much to that character that wasn't in the screenplay in my opinion and that really helped this movie yeah um yeah i i agree uh i actually just noticed that uh it would be it would be really interesting this is potentially a tangent or this is definitely a tangent but it would be really interesting to uh look at some of the other things that Jean Dujardin has done because uh, he worked, he's worked with uh, Michelle Hazan, Hazana, uh, Hazana Vikius, the, I, I can't pronounce the director. It, uh, the director. Uh, he's worked with the director before. And apparently this movie was made because uh, the director had wanted to make a silent movie for years but like studios didn't take him seriously. And then he made two like comedy spy movies with Michelle, with Jean Dujardin. And I I guess they like did gangbusters in France. And because he had done really well with these comedy spy movies, producers were like, you know what? Maybe we'll let you get a silent, do your silent film, which is weird because I don't, fully understand how spy comedy <laughs> moves to silent film, but you know what? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's an interesting career that director, I guess both him and the, uh, and the actor have led uh, into being what, one of the most acclaimed movies of this decade, technically. Oh yeah. And like, so, this is, uh, I would also, I'm also going to point out just before we go move back to talking about Jean Dujardin, uh, Jean Dujardin's Academy Award for Best Actor for this movie was the first, uh, it was the first acting award ever for a French actor. So, or at the very least, it was the first ever Best Actor Award for a French actor. I don't know about actress, but I believe it was the first acting award at the Oscars for a French actor. That's cool. In general. It's unfortunate yeah. that it's, it's for a silent movie, but, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's it. unfortunate. It's unfortunate that, to my knowledge, it's also the only one and it's for a silent movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's unfortunate that he got it for this movie because, like, no. I, I, I have to say, again, I didn't see all the other movies that were nominated. But, like, I can't imagine who could have been better in their movie than Jean Dujardin was in this movie. Yeah, he, like, I would say he definitely 100% deserved it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like I, I don't know. I, I think it's very rare to actually have a performance that uh, charismatic, especially for a silent film. So yeah, well, yeah. Really well and done. I was, I was gonna say, especially like now, you are and any actor who goes into a silent film, like they may be able to pull it off, but they're immediately crippling themselves by not being able to do things like deliver lines. Yeah. So it's. You know, this has to, this can't have been an e- There's nothing technically that special about his character as written, but like this can't have been an easy character to play just because he's, he only has half his tools and he, he actually, he only has half his tools and it's not on paper that interesting a character. So he has to bring almost everything to it. 
yeah, and he, he really did. It worked out 100%. Um, so, yeah, lots of, you know, good, great, great casting there. I don't think anyone else really, like, I'm happy the the actress got directed, uh, Berenice Bejo for Pepe mm-hmm. Miller. Um, I don't necessarily think she was, she brought anything really special, but, like, I thought she was a, she had a solid performance. Yeah. Um, I thought she was very then, good. Complimented Jean Dujardin very well. They complimented each other very well. Good on-screen chemistry. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they they pulled that off pretty convincingly. Um, and I guess John Goodman was in there, too. <laughs> um, which was just kind of a weird... It was a weird role for him to to take, I guess. I wasn't expecting him to be in a French film, but like th- that was pretty cool. Oh, John Goodman? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was good in it, too. Uh, I mean, he was very supporting but like the times he was there like he, he actually really drove the plot forward a lot yeah i, I agree he was basically you... oh go ahead uh, i was gonna say and he just had really pretty solid uh screen screen uh presence i guess mm-hmm. yeah i think he must have he was playing what uh well he was playing a studio executive i want to say he was playing like a a mayor type like from metro golden mayor goldman mm-hmm. mayor anyway um yeah so i i actually we did talk a little bit about the directing but uh did you did you have anything else to say about uh michelle our best director winner uh again like i i guess just the he it showed he had a lot of passion for it i don't necessarily think that this movie highlighted any specific skills that the director had if that makes sense um Mm -hmm. which is why i don't think like it's unfortunate but it doesn't look like he's had much success since the artist um at least not over here maybe he's still doing well in france uh not from what i like i I looked at it like he did a couple movies since then um they weren't well reviewed um but I, i so like i i don't think uh how do i say this was very much like a, a work of passion um, but like in terms of like the actual skills of directing, I don't, I don't necessarily think it was. I don't, I don't see much skill in this director. I thought it, the movie was well directed, but like it's because he was basically copying other people's styles. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. And there was no personality of his own that he really injected into the movie. Obviously, because that's kind of the point. But also, I. I I can really understand why he never really went on to do anything uh, that big because I don't think he he portrayed any any true uh, personal skills in directing. Well, I don't know if I would I don't know if I would fully agree that he didn't inject any personality into it. I just think that the personality that he did inject into the artist does not translate into really anything else because mm. like. As we as we just very briefly discussed, this was easily a, this was definitely a passion project for him, and like I think it has you know the parts of himself that he uh, put into this are why he made such a convincing old movie, right? Because he is a huge fan of movies from this time, so he did it very very well, and yeah. like you know, where some other directors and I hate to keep picking on him, but like David Fincher did not his, his, his passion project for a, of an old movie didn't work quite the same way because he, he has a different personality that he injects 
better into other things, I guess. But like, basically, I know that he's, I know that he's got more good movies in him, but like, it's got to be something he's very, very passionate about because that's part of that. That's a big part of the reason this movie worked. I mean, it had a lot of elements that made it work. But one of those elements was the fact that the director is clearly extremely passionate about this kind of movie and this story that he wanted to tell. Yeah, that, like that makes sense. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, so like, I'll and, give him um, the benefit I, of the doubt on these later movies that I'm seeing. Like he's, he directed a movie called the search. I have not seen any of the rest of these movies, but like he directed a movie called the search, which is a remake of a, uh, of an, of an older movie also called the search from 1948. And, yeah. uh, the reception of it is bad. I'm like, I'm not going to say that like, he just phoned that one in because I haven't seen it, but like, his talents that did come out in the artist, I guess probably just didn't translate the same way to the search. Um, which yeah, again, I, I guess, guess is it's, it's, I don't, I don't know if that's a good, uh, parallel necessarily because I haven't seen any of the rest of his movies, so I can't really <laughs> say that, but, uh, still, I, I think that this movie was a lot of him, but like, also, as you said, based on this movie, I don't actually know, I don't actually feel like I know the director because I got a lot of his personality as a fan of things, which means that mm -hmm. the actual things that you see are other people's personalities, but like yeah, expressed it, through him. It kind of reminds me of like, uh, like a, a lot of Marvel movies or like, or in a way, TV directors, actually TV directors are often hired because uh, because they have to basically copy the style of the show or um which is established in the pilot right so like right. it's 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 not it's it takes it takes skill but it's not like you you don't see many tv directors that trans that properly transition into movie making because it is a very different type of uh filmmaking where you, you're you're putting your own personality out there rather than uh kind of imitating, I guess. They're very different skills. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, I, but yeah, like as, as a whole, like it, it was enjoyable directing, um, and, and the movie as a whole, like I, it, it, it was inoffensive and fun and interesting. And like, you know, it, it had a vast array of emotions. So like, <laughs> like a lot of these other Oscar winners, I've noticed they kind of check some boxes, get that nostalgia factor in there get that Hollywood factor in there. Um, and, uh, you know, happy parts, sad parts, intense parts, romantic parts, uh, a little bit of everything for everyone, I guess. Actually, that is a perfect way to introduce the question of how do you think this movie won the Oscars? Honestly, it's, it's pretty straightforward. You literally just said the formula. <laughs> Yeah, it's a formula. Also, you know, black and white. I think it's it's kind of a gimmick in terms of like winning awards, but it 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 made it very uh it was very easy to advertise because of that. Like it's the black and white movie. Um mm -hmm. so like lots of attention going for it. Uh what else like it's like cuz there've been black and white movies before too, but this was like the first silent one and it's a reference to the silent film era which hollywood loves hollywood loves movies about themselves so uh, right. there there was a lot going for it i guess in this case 
Yeah, and as I look through some of these other movies that are here, like all the rest of the movies that it was up against, with the possible exception of Hugo, are pretty heavy. Like uh, The Descendants, oh, so Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close is a 9-11 movie. Moneyball is about baseball, but it's like very, very dense. I mean, it's Aaron Sorkin, so you can imagine that it's immaculately written, <laughs> but also 300 pages. Yeah. Uh, the Tree of Life is a Terrence Malick movie, which I believe means that it's eight hours long. Um, <laughs> war Horse is about war. Like, these are all pretty heavy movies, which are also things that win Best Picture. But, like, the artist checks off the boxes that the Academy likes, or at least some boxes the Academy likes. And it's also, like, mostly pretty fun. I mean, it has some dark moments, but it's it's relatively short. It's easy to watch. And, like... It's enjoyable. It has a happy ending, too. Yeah, I, I was not expecting a happy ending, honestly. Um, but, I mean, okay, not I'm not the first. If I, because I've seen this before, so that's a lot. If I was uh, maybe seeing this for the first time, I might have assumed that it would end poorly. Um, it, it was kind of like the weird reverse cliche where I was like, okay, it, it feels like it's pointing towards a happy ending, so there's no way it does. Um, Here's the last <laughs> spoiler warning. If people, uh, if people oh, haven't, oh sorry, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's kind of a spoiler. We didn't, we didn't really say the ending though, so I don't know if it counts. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. I mean, I feel like most people expect a happy ending, anyways. To yeah, be honest. Um, um, yeah, it was a, it's a, it's a cute movie. Well, why do you, do you have any other reasons you can think of? I honestly think, I mean. I think that's why it won Best Picture. When it comes to a- when it comes to actor, I think I mean we already gushed about Jean Dujardin in this. Like, I don't. I, I guess I've probably seen better performances, but like this is it's it's really just such a good performance. He does it. It's it's such a good performance, and it's almost handicapped. Like I I don't know. I have seen I've seen clips of Brad Pitt in Moneyball, and he's good. It's not John Dujardin and the artist good. So. Yeah, that's fair. I, um, I can agree with that. And the soundtrack uh, definitely carried the movie in a lot of ways as well. Oh, yeah. We, we didn't even... Here I was saying we need to talk about that at length, and I completely forgot it. <laughs> yeah, I was, was kind of surprised. Um, I don't think we need to say too, too much on it, but like the soundtrack... I, I think we actually brought up a lot of the soundtrack and other things, or at least like a lot of what I would have wanted to say about the soundtrack. Uh, Mm -hmm. This movie is very much, it's not carried necessarily, but like it's pretty close. This movie relies extremely heavily on the soundtrack since there's no dialogue. (laughs) Yeah, basically it's uh, like, I mean, it's kind of par for the chorus for a silent film, but I mean, like I, I either way, I, I definitely say there is a, uh, a lot to be said that um, the score did a lot. There's so much for like the the pacing and like kind of getting the characters' moods across because again, like they can't speak speak how they're feeling. So the mm-hmm. uh, the music does that for us, and then also the kind of like I love how they kind of sync the move sync it with the movement sometimes and stuff. Uh, that's again, that's kind of a silent movie trope, but like uh, I can't complain because it's it's always really fun to watch how silent movies play with music. So like, I think a lot of times when I'm seeing things that are up for best picture, like, uh, you know, as, as you sort of alluded to earlier, I'm looking for innovate in some way. 
really cool, bold choices. And this movie doesn't, I mean, we've said this a bunch of times now, but like this movie doesn't innovate, but everything that it does, it does extremely well. The score Mm -hmm. is more or less technically par for the course for silent movies, but it's done extreme, like everything that a score has to do for a silent movie, it does basically perfectly. Um, The acting is like, the character's not that special, but the acting is just done so, so well. Uh, The directing is like, again, not exactly innovative, but every technique he uses, he's mastered. Mm -hmm. So this is just like an incredibly well-made film in all of the respects that like, that, that apply, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I just think for me, I might've liked this more, uh, like last year, but the thing is I saw, have you seen Sunset Boulevard before? I have not. Um, the, the, cause it, it does, that's another movie that tackles the topic of uh, kind of the transition of Hollywood between talkies and, uh, or silent movies and talkies. Right. Um, mm. and it's the, uh, this is a film from the fifties. So like obviously it's black and white and stuff, but like the way they do it is so much better because it's not, uh, like this is very on the nose, like, Oh, famous actor becomes non-famous, uh, because he didn't adapt. And then he, uh, romance love saves him in the end or something like that. Right. Um, not much commentary on the actual industry, but sunset Boulevard was like just way better on so many levels. And it's like what 60 years older than this movie. Um, but to me it feels way more like innovative and forward thinking and like, uh, I guess prevalent to even today. Um, cause it takes a, a much harder look at like how the film industry kind of ditched all the, all the silent movie actors and what that kind of did to their psyche uh, and the consequences of their fame. So mm, okay. I don't know if, if you, if, if people like this movie, I would definitely recommend Sunset Boulevard as well, I guess. Uh, if you're looking Actually, at like a more mature uh, taste of, uh, of like, or a lens of, of what that period of, of life was like. Uh, I think that uh, I should let you know here, Pierre, and I could let you know off air, but I might as well do it during the episode. Uh, just as a little teaser, once our uh, once the Oscars have come and gone, I have been working on a list of movies that I really want to talk about on this show at some point. You should mm-hmm. also do that, and then we'll combine our lists, and then that'll Ooh. give us stuff to talk about for the summer. I like the sound of that. Sure. Um... But yeah, I, I guess, I don't know, that's the artist. Uh, I don't have much else to say, I guess. They're, oh, okay, I'll say a couple of things. I want to list off. I always forget, because there's like these little things that I, I do like in the movies that I noticed, but I never say them because they're really big. I want to list them out really quickly. Um, I love the dog. The dog was so cute. Oh, yeah. Um, I loved, uh, I guess I already said, I love John Goodman. I loved the the sounds i know this sounds weird but the sounds in that dream sequence were so asmr i guess well <laughs> in that dream sequence what i really liked is like it's never it's never big sounds or music or anything like a chair moving or you know he puts down something and it hits the it hits the table and you get like a so it's like just these yeah. tiny little sounds and yeah, excellent choice of sounds. Yeah, the the sound I guess design there was really really good, and uh, 
that I mean that whole scene like the I can't they they somehow made very normal sounds basically become a nightmare sequence. Um, mm. and I, I just thought that was really cool. Uh, what else? I thought I thought their chemistry was really good. I think I think it's a sweet story. Um, and oh, I love the driver. I don't know if you noticed, but that driver is a bro, man. I love that oh. guy the whole time. Who was that guy? I remember James Cromwell. That was the guy. He looks familiar. I don't know where. Yeah, I've heard of James Cromwell. I don't know what movies I've seen him in before. Uh, I know I've seen him in a lot. I just can't think of them. All. Yeah, right. But yeah, he was. Uh, I don't know. He he was a bro the whole time. I really like that that character. Uh, oh, also that movie that he filmed as a director, uh, George Valentin. Oh yeah. I really want to watch that movie. <laughs> it looks so whack. But, uh, yeah, it yeah looks, I guess those are. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Finish. Oh, I said it. I was. I was just gonna say it looks. Uh, honestly, that movie looks kind of dumb, but like dumb in a yeah. funny way. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Those are my little, I guess, highlights of the movie that I enjoyed. Well, heck yeah! Uh, all right, that was the artist. Uh, so, what would you give it? I for me, this is at least a strong eight. I I don't want to put it any higher than that right now literally just rewatched it so it's still fresh in my mind but like yeah. the lowest i would ever give it is a strong strong eight that's fair i i think i do a 7.5 um okay i think it, i i actually i would agree putting it at eight um or an 8.5 it was just uh it, it felt a little slow i think there were some scenes they could have cut out maybe put it at an hour and a half because again it, it i kind of knew where the plot was going sorry it is an hour and a half <laughs> i wasn't including credits um or no oh, i was including oh. credits i i should say maybe like legitimate runtime a little a little short like it could have cut maybe five ten minutes uh because once once he's like his career is ending and he's kind of like going through the self-pity phase i feel like it could have been shorter because uh, we all knew what was going to happen anyways um, right but yeah i uh, i it's a fun solid movie 7.5 all right well, that is going to be our last episode in the exploration of the past Oscars. We're probably going to do this again. I mean, we'll probably do it again next year for the Oscars, but we might do it again before that, too. We'll see. We'll see. We got like 90 years of Oscars to go through. That's, yeah. you know, enough for <laughs> eight more seasons minimum. <laughs> uh, anyway, the next one we're going to do, we're going to talk about a movie that might get nominated for Oscars this year. I think its momentum is waning a little bit, but it's still there. It's not. It's not. It's not over yet. I'm gonna talk about uh, the late. We're actually going to talk about a movie that is particularly interesting for 2020 because it was the first movie uh, filmed and completed during uh, the pandemic, if I remember correctly. We're going to talk about Malcolm and Marie. Okay, please don't tell me it's like a quarantine themed movie or something. It is not quarantine themed, quarantine themed, but like it is bizarre how many movies and TV shows even were made during the pandemic that are quarantine themed. Yeah, it's <laughs> I don't it's, I hate that I actually, idea. It's, it's so cringy, in my opinion. I'm going to be honest. I think that if it didn't, if, if there weren't any, I would be even more confused. But like, I kind of think it's in bad taste to have something like love in the time of COVID made during the time of COVID. It just, well, to me, it just ages it so quickly. 
Like, like even now, I would not, I would not care to watch a movie about quarantine, even though we're still kind of in it technically. Um, yeah. Just because, like, it, it feels really, uh, it feels outdated even while we're in it. If that makes sense. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, also one last thing about the artist, uh, the dog, Uggy. That was his. That's his real name. Uh, mm. He won the Palm Dog Award at, two, at Cannes 2011. So yes. he did win an award. Uh, well his memoir deserved. was actually Best his actor. His memoir was actually released in October of 2012. Oh wow! Yeah, Wait, was he like a big film dog or something? Uh, apparently so. He has his he has his own page, and it is. Oh okay, <laughs> that's that's awesome. I I love that I, that scene where he's running to to the police officer was so cute. Mm-hmm. The way his little little legs ran oh that was that was the definite highlight yeah so this episode is dedicated to the memory of uggy who unfortunately died in 2015 at the age of 13 mm. we love you uggy we love you uggy rest in peace sweet prince uh what's what's the last word jeff it's rest in peace sweet prince <laughs>